Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. Reflecting on the stock market performance over the last few years reminds me of an expression from the old days when I was a stockbroker. Here's the expression, bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs get slaughtered. The S&P 500 stock index advanced 29% in 2019, 16% in 2020, and about 27% last year in 2021. Now, since stocks average about 10% per year, it's highly unlikely these stellar returns are likely to repeat. Sooner or later, unless the world has changed in a fundamental way, markets will ultimately regress to the mean. In other words, they'll balance things out with a crummy year or two. So here's the question. Is 2022 going to be the year that this begins, the year that's crummy? Well, one catalyst for lower stock prices could be rising interest rates. Odds are that the Federal Reserve will begin raising rates as early as March of this year. While rate hikes aren't necessarily devastating for stock prices, they're not the best thing for them either, particularly for the more speculative, less profitable companies. So does all this negative news mean you should head for the sidelines in 2022? That's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. We're going to talk about where things are likely to go this year with stocks, interest rates, and housing prices. And not only are we going to attempt some predictions, we're going to make some recommendations as well. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hi, Miranda. Hey, Stacy. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Hello. Well, we'll get the ball rolling, but before we do, a little disclaimer. Should we discuss specific investments in this show, don't take them as recommendations. You know why? Because they're not recommendations. Before you invest in anything, you got to do your own research. you got to make your own decisions. And now let's get back to the topic at hand. First, let me say that I haven't talked to you guys in a few weeks, which is unusual. We took a couple of weeks off the end of December. And then yours truly got COVID at the beginning of January this year. So here we are. It's been almost a month. Since we've met, did you guys have a good holiday season? I mean, you know, I I got sick. Um, Did you? Yeah, I did. Unlike you, though, I did not get name brand COVID. I instead got generic winter illness. So. Uh, Okay. Well, I actually just last night tested negative. Uh, I I was sick. I wasn't that sick. I was sick for last Tuesday to last Friday, like where I felt bad, just slept a lot. You know, it wasn't really that bad. Uh, but then on Sunday, I felt good, but I still tested positive. Uh, so then yesterday, Wednesday, I took another COVID test, and now I'm I'm clean and ready to begin the games. All right, let's do but, it. I don't awesome. know about where you live, Miranda, in Idaho, but here in South Florida, oh, my God, it is just a tidal wave. Oh, yeah, here infections. too. Yeah, yeah we're, we're breaking our previous records. Um, we're not quite number one in the nation like we were last year at this time, but we're trying hard. As always, Idaho is ready for Florida to hold our beer. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So and you have not gotten COVID at all? I have not. Uh, there was a fun and interesting study that was just published by the National Institutes of Health that indicate that um, cannabinoids can act as blockers. Isn't uh, it cannabinoids? Is cannabinoids? It? I don't cannabinoids? know. I don't know either. Whatever. That, it, that takes me anyway, back to my college days. Yeah. Those those, those things can act as, as blockers. Um, Is that, that true? I don't know. That's just what the National Institutes of Health published earlier this week. I think you're looking for an excuse to smoke some pot. That's what I think. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I read up on this, and don't get everybody excited. <laughs> okay, so what's you, the deal? You can't smoke it or or use vapors or anything like that. It, it doesn't work that way because it's an ingredient that helps block uh, COVID from attack, uh, attracting to your cells. 
but you can't uh, you can't you can't uh, increase the, the the heat on that particular element, or else it, it doesn't work. So you have to actually take it uh, uh, internally. So they'd have to actually create like a gummy or a pill or something like that for it to work. What the hell, man? The, it's worth a try. I think there's this thing called edibles, Aaron. Yeah, but you heat it. And that's he the thing. If you gummies. heat it, if you heat it, the cannab- cannabinoid doesn't work when you yeah. heat it or something but the like interest- that. So. Yeah, the interesting thing is I actually have non-THC, uh, non-THC, because THC is completely illegal here in Idaho. Um, I have oh. non-THC CBD oil. And sometimes I take that to help me sleep. Does it work? It helps me sleep. I don't know if it's blocking the COVID, but it helps me sleep. No, that's not it doesn't really help you sleep. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, wait a minute. What kind of a podcast is this anyway? I forgot. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. We're talking about 2022, 2022. Let's talk about let's talk about how this Omicron is going to destroy us all and the economy in 2022. Well, you know, okay. And by the way, when last we spoke, Miranda, which was literally a month ago, mid-December, it's now mid-January, you I was saying that if interest rates go up, it's going to hurt stock prices. And you were saying what you were saying? Nah, nah, that's not going to be a big deal. Well, as it turns out, here we are, two weeks into the year, and the Dow is down. Well, the Dow's almost break even as we speak. Anyway, we're midway through the trading session on uh, on Wednesday, or Thursday, the thirteenth. Um, but the the uh, Nasdaq is down uh, significantly. Oil prices are up significantly. We're gonna, we'll cover that more when we talk about. Our, our mid-month checkup. And but, actually, what I said it wasn't was that it was unlikely to precipitate a massive crash. Well, the the day is young. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 anyway, so let's start with stocks. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about I mean, the stock uh, market this year? I, I feel the same way I have felt about the stock market at the beginning every of every year since 2017, which is why the hell haven't we had a major crash, and why aren't we having why aren't we moving into some sort of a bear market for at least you know some sort of period of time of three to six months? That is that is the thing that I have wondered every January since 2017. It is the thing that I have expected to happen every January since 2017, and it has not happened yet so i don't know i expect i ex- i mean we are due for a crash we are due for a crash we haven't had um a a bear market that lasts um more than like a couple weeks um even in 2020 even when we had that crash in march six weeks later the market had recovered and was doing gangbusters so um so so we haven't had a real crash and we are overdue for a real crash you know will it happen in 2022 i don't know it should have happened in 2017 (laughs) yeah and, and and you're totally right about that but you know what i would also submit though miranda we have had a crash depends on what you own now i own a bunch of apple i haven't had a crash in apple but if you own arc innovation etf Um, that, that's the high for that was 150 and now it is 80. Um, well, then I'm what, glad I index. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's right. And, and, you know, you're going to, you're going to benefit from that. Okay. Peloton, the, you know, the bicycle people, um, the hyper expensive indoor bicycle people, that thing was, uh, no, where was it? Let me see. I'm looking at it right now. One year, a year ago it was 150. It's now 32. That's a crash. 
Yeah. Well, and I think I think that's a really good point, though, that you're making is, you know, when let's you know, when you're talking about like the difference between the stock market overall and individual stocks and then, of course, your individual portfolio. Right. Yeah. Um, it's all going to hit everybody different. And there, there was and there was a lot of people putting a lot of money into very speculative things. You know, like Robin Hood. OK. <laughs> Last year. Let's see. Oh, there Up was... to 70. Now, 15. That's well, a crash. Yeah. Well, you know. And and then what about and what about uh, Bitcoin? Uh, let's see where it is right now. Oh, let's oh, now see. we're moving into crypto. That's fun. Well, and and you know, by the way, this is something I wanted to talk about today too. And I'm glad we brought this up. Okay, Bitcoin is now nine hundred dollars today. It's forty two thousand nine hundred one. Ethereum is thirty two ninety, down eighty eight dollars today, about two percent. Okay, now the high for Bitcoin last year was. 67,000, 69,000, something like that. Yeah. In the in the 60s. Now it's 42. That's mm -hmm. a crash. You know, so there's a lot of things, particularly the speculative things have really they they have literally crashed. Yeah. And and I think it goes back to kind of like your personal portfolio and thinking about, okay, when do I get in? What is my portfolio comprised of? All of those things. Because overall, my personal portfolio still remains up um, over the past year. My personal portfolio. In fact, my and my personal crypto portfolio, um, I mean, everything could just just crash to, you know, <laughs> it could lose three fourths of value in my personal crypto portfolio is up because of when I got in. And when I got in was 2011. So, um, so I think that's something when you're looking at your personal finances, you do need to and your personal portfolio, it is important to kind of separate that from, okay, what's going on in the wider market? And am I letting what's going on in the mar wider market drive panic and make me change my plan? And how am I reacting to that? And that's something we really need to think about as we start moving into 2022. Do we have a, do you have an investment plan? Do you have an idea of how you're going to move forward? And are you going to be able to stick with that depending on how things go? Yes. And, and you know, as for those of you who have not listened to this podcast, um, Miranda is an indexer and a dollar cost averager. Uh, I'm, I'm basically a single stock buyer. So we, we look at things a little differently. And certainly nothing wrong with uh, Miranda's uh, approach to the stock market. In, in fact, this is what most people should do, is invest periodically, a, a lump sum periodically, and, and take advantage of lower prices when the market sucks and buying fewer shares when the market's high. That's, that's the way to win in the long term. But I like to look at individual stocks. It's more fun to talk about. Uh, and, and I did very well last year because, like I said, Apple is 80% of my portfolio and it was up 35% last year. Uh, and that's, that does not say that I'm very well diversified. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm in the big tech stocks and the big tech stocks did really well last year. So I did well, but I'm glad. And, and how many times, how many times did we sit on this podcast and warn people to get out of the speculative stuff? We've been right. saying it for months. And we right, right, but now that they're low, is now the time to get into them? I, I don't think so. I don't think it's time yet. They haven't even started raising rates yet. Uh, and so, it, it, you know, I, I think this is a classic thing. You guys weren't investing, or maybe you were, uh, in the year 2000 when the, when the dot-com bubble burst. Uh, but this, it was exactly the same thing. There were these companies that had no revenue uh, and just, you know, the hope of revenue. They were selling for 100 times sales <laughs> instead of 10 times earnings. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And it, but, but it looked like trees were going to grow to the sky. And guess what happened? You know what happened. The market just crashed. 
And all those people with all those with all these hopeful stocks lost everything. And so, you know, that's why when I see this stuff happening and yet and you know why all this is going on, why it happened. It, well, it happened in the year 2000 because of the promise of technology. But, right. But you know why the market was going up 27, 19 and 26 percent in the last three years? Do you know why that is? Why? What, take a stab. Either one of you guys. Well, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, we've got our monetary policy is focused around propping up the stock market. We've had really low interest rates. Uh, we've had historically low inflation uh, in the run up to this last year, which is gone now. But, uh, you know, we've had historically low inflation. Uh, we've had uh, stimulus checks. A lot of people have been using their stimulus checks to invest. That's actually one of the things that... Um, one of the top things that people did uh, with their stimulus money. So there's a lot of factors, I think, combining that are kind of driving this. The uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed in 2017 actually resulted in 83% of companies doing stock buybacks with their tax cuts. And so that also helped prop up the stock market. So there's a lot going on here that's kind of propping it I up. I could not have said it better, Miranda. That's exactly <laughs> what I would have said. Here's the thing. I mean, you want to make it really simple? When interest rates are zero, what the hell can I do with my money except buy stocks or houses, right? I mean, I'm not earning anything at the bank. So this is going to force me to go into the stock market. Cheap money equals inflated asset prices, period. Always been true, always will be true. That's just what happened. And where are we now? Reversing that trend. Now, maybe not that much. We're talking, there's supposed to be, now the consensus seems to be there's going to be four interest rate hikes this year, but they're going to be a, half, a quarter point each. So interest rates are still not going to go through the roof. But nonetheless, it's a reversal of a trend. The, the, the Fed was as accommodative as they could possibly be, and now they're not going to be that way. They're going to be hawkish is what it's called. Um, and so this, and this changes the environment for stocks. And the first stocks to get their heads chopped off are the most speculative stocks. And the, and the stocks that will fare the best, although, you know, uh, you know, sinking or falling tides do sink all boats. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the market can go down and take everything with it. But the things that go down the least are companies with either A, 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 um, a low price earnings ratio. In other words, they're making lots of money. Or B, they have a market that's not going to go away like healthcare or oil, you know, or something like that. Uh, and C, they pay a high dividend. Because that's going to that gives a floor under stocks, so these are the stocks you want to be in. We've been saying it for months, and it's proving itself now. The the oil prices oil prices have gone up ten percent, no eleven percent, I think, since January one, and my oil stocks, ConocoPhillips and Chevron, uh, have gone up significantly, ten percent or more, in that time. So there are stocks that can do well in this environment, but speculative stocks are not the ones that will. Uh, well, let's talk about let's talk about housing too. But before we do, and we'll talk a little bit more about stocks as well. But let me take a really quick break, and when we come back, we're going to tell you exactly what's going to happen to your house this year. <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. So now, what do you think about housing prices, Miranda or or Aaron? Aaron's a real estate guy. Do you, do you guys have any opinions on those? Let's start with Aaron. What do you think, Aaron? Ooh, you know, that's a really tough one to predict because obviously everybody who's felt that the stock market was risky has basically bought up every square house there is. Way around here, that's true. Um, well, and Idaho is one of the the hottest markets in the country right now. So Really? Oh, yeah. Go go look it up, my friend. We're we are on like our yeah, it's it's out of control. 
Yeah, here too. I mean, we just, you just can't buy anything here. My house has gone up, let me see, I'm going to say 50%. I live on the water, which you know is more expensive property. But my house has gone up, I think, about 50% in the last year and a half. Yeah, and that's that's pretty par for the course here. I'm yeah. I mean, it's it's absolute insanity here in Idaho. So here's the question, guys: Does this continue? If we're sitting on the sidelines wanting to buy a house, do we hurry up and buy, or do we say, "Well, this is crazy. Let's sit here for a while longer and let prices come back to us"? Which one do we do? Whew. Well, I think it kind of depends on where you're at and what the purpose of Good buying point. your your home is, right? Um, if you're if you're buying it to live in and you're using it as a primary residence, um, that's a different proposition than buying it with the expect expectation of investment returns. So, I mean, you kind of have to figure that out too. Like if I were to buy the house that I'm living in right now, uh, which I may or may not do this year, we're, we're going to see, I'm going to run that. Um, but if I were to buy this house that I'm living in next year and continue charging my son and his friends rent to live in the basement and make some upgrades to it, I wouldn't necessarily expect a huge return on investment from it. Uh, my motivation for purchasing it is because I like the location, I like the lifestyle, and it would make it very convenient for my son to finish college and his friends to finish college if they could just rent from me downstairs. And so it's more of a lifestyle choice for me. Now, somebody like Aaron, it might be a different calculation for him because it's probably going to be an investment choice. Yeah. What, okay. That's, first of all, great, great feedback there, Miranda, because obviously, first of all, real estate is all local. And secondly, as you said, it's a lifestyle choice. But given those, uh, given the variables, if we are going to speak generally, are you a buyer of rental property today, Aaron, or would you wait for prices to come back? Um, obviously, my wife and I have talked this over many times, and um, I feel a little priced out, as I think a lot of people do. At the same point, you're still looking at the fact that uh, mortgage rates are extremely low, and you know they're going to be high by the end of 2022. Um, but you're not sure if the house prices are going to come down. Um, and I think it's really intrinsically tied to, to COVID. I think a lot of people are not moving their staying put because of one, not only are prices high, but I think also that there's not a lot of movement. There's no place to move to. You know, you sell your house, where do you go? So I think the world has to open back up for people to be able to go, oh, cool, I want a job over here. I want to move to this state. I want to move to this country. And until that happens, we're not going to see a buyer's market for a while. So housing prices could stay up for a while. Uh, and, and if they do come back to the norm, then they may not come down that much because we don't have a, we don't have a problem like we did in 2008. You know, everything's yeah. kind of stable. So so we all do we all agree that prices aren't going to plummet? I don't think so. Do I don't they just think stop so. going up. Yeah. And I think one of the things that um, people forget is that. Um, you know, they look at uh, 2008, 2009, they look at the big, um, the, the plunge in housing prices. And that was kind of an outlier yeah. uh, in terms of recessions and stock market bubbles and, and everything else. Um, because in that case, um, the meltdown was in fact caused by a housing market bubble. Housing was the, the, the trigger for all of this. Um, in the past, like during a recession or whatever, uh, how prices usually only fall between two to 5% historically. And so I wouldn't expect to see a huge um, housing market crash unless something else happens. 
Yeah, you know that that is true. Uh, now I could I could name some scenario in which it might happen. Like for example, uh, let's say that housing goes down ten percent, which is a stretch. I don't think it will, but let's say it does, and you just paid a million dollars for a house now worth nine hundred thousand. You might walk away from it, uh, and, and yet that could be a cascading effect. You know, so which is basically is kind of what happened in two thousand eight, but. So, you know, I don't think that is going to happen, though. I do think that house pr housing prices are going to stop going up so much simply because, by the way, just today, just before we got on this podcast, um, I read that the uh, mortgage rates are as high today as they've been in more than a year as of today because they, they reset on Thursdays. This is a Thursday. So right now, 30-year fix, I'm showing average, this is from Google, uh, is 3942 and and that was 2.75 not that long ago. So and that's going to keep some people out of the market and it's going to keep some appreciation from occurring I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And the other factor too is uh, home construction, new construction uh isn't really that high and part of that is uh low supply of workers and covid issues and supply of materials. Um but that's changing. Uh there was a recently a manufacturing index chart put out so the index is between one or is, is between zero and 100 and the index anything over 50 represents a slowing of delivery times mm -hmm. so to give you some perspective in january 2020 before COVID hit the uh the index was hovering around 52.9 the highest that index got was in may of 2021 which was at 78.8 and now in december that's dropped back down to 64.9 so it's gotten back down to the 50. Um, so that, but it, it basically indicates that manufacturing bottlenecks are starting to ease. Um, yeah, I would expect that. To so it's good sure. overall for all kinds of different things. But you know, the, let's let's transition into inflation. Now we were we were about this time last year. We were all sitting here going like, well, we we took uh, Chairman Powell at his word that uh, inflation was going to be transitory. We all agreed that that why not you know, uh, and that has turned out not to be the case. Uh, in fact, just yesterday, the CPI came out uh, for December, and and uh, prices had risen seven percent, the highest inflation rate since 1981. That's a, and the, and the third month in a row where where inflation has exceeded six percent, and a lot of the stuff that's going up in price is painful stuff: gasoline, food, rent, you know, stuff like this. So, do you, do do you see an easing of inflation later this year as bottlenecks become unwound, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'd have to. I think they're actually already seeing um, a microchip uh, easement happening. Mm -hmm, they're, they're getting mm -hmm. uh, that's starting to roll out. A lot of the stuff's going to be slow. I almost feel like we're not going to see anything awesome until the next twenty twenty three. But yeah, I mean, over the twelve month period, gasoline has risen forty nine percent. Used vehicles have risen thirty seven percent. Rental cars have risen 36%. Hotel rooms have risen 24%. Oh, my God. Furniture has risen 13%. New vehicles have risen 11%. So that's why it's cheaper to buy a new car than it is to buy a used car. Uh, energy has risen 11%. Um, going to the grocery stores has risen 6.5%. What what point? Of, what period of time is this there in the last month? This is over a 12 months. Oh, over 12 a 12 month months, period. Okay. Yeah, this is from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Very interesting. Now, now let me ask you guys this. This is this is interesting too. When we look at the bond market, now we, we talk about the ten year. We're going to do that when we do our recap on our next podcast. Uh, but right now, the ten year is 
trading at about 1.7%. If interest rates are going up, now the now be, beginning of the year was at 1.5, so it has risen 14%. As a matter of fact, interest rates have gone up since the beginning of the year. But wouldn't we expect to see interest rates even higher with this inflation number? Because this is exactly why interest rates go up, you know, because of inflation. We've got the big inflation number, but we're not seeing giant rises in uh, interest rates on treasuries. Now, to me, this indicates that the market thinks that inflation will be tamed. Because otherwise, these interest rates would be higher. Right. So the market's betting that the while interest rates are going up a little, they're not going to go up a whole bunch. Now, also, uh, I've, I've got a few blurbs here, too, when it comes to um, home prices. I, I got from Realtor.com, Redfin, National Association of Realtors, CoreLogic, and Wharton School. Uh, I've, got, I, I've got all of their estimates, and I'll just read them to you really quick. Realtor.com, home sales up 6.6%, home prices up 2.9%. Uh, Redfin, 30-year fixed mortgage rates move from around 3 to around 3.6, which they already have surpassed as we speak. National Association of Realtors, home sales will fall by 2%, 30-year rate hovering around 3% for most of 2021. Uh, they say inventory will increase, and home prices will only rise 3 to 5% nationally. And that's the National Association of Realtors, who, by the way, I th think is a very biased source of information. I don't believe a word they say. Because they're always, <laughs> well, they're always positive. I mean, I've done these stories for 30 years. And let me tell right. you something. You talk to a realtor, prices are always going up. And if you talk to, what's his name? Yun, I think is his name, is the uh, chief economist. Well, yeah, for, Lawrence Yun, yeah. Yeah, for National Association of Realtors. Always happy. In 2008, trees were going to the sky as far as he was concerned. So, you know, I don't really believe that much. But anyway, that's what they said. Core logic. 30-year mortgage rates about 3.4 on average. Uh, annual average rise slowing from 15% in 2021 to 7% in 2022. And last but not least, the Wharton School, the University of Pennsylvania, price is expected to decelerate to single-digit rates, um, a small uptick, 0.5% in mortgage rates. So the, none of them are calling for housing declines. They are saying that the that the rise the, the uh, rate of rise will will slow. Yeah. And, and by the way, you guys w look at the show notes on this podcast because I've got a bunch of links as we always do. But one of them is really cool, uh, and it is a well. You've got to have, have have a subscription. But Bloomberg, they put out. I don't know if you guys saw this, but they put. I'm looking at it right now. They put out a a, a list of all the brokerage firms. That and what Wall Street expects in 2022, and I mean, there's a hundred different brokerage firms with a paragraph on each from each, saying what they think the market's going to do for the year. It's really interesting, and and most of what they say isn't that much different than what we're all agreeing to now. That the market may be okay in 2022, but it's not going to be great, uh, and interest rates are going to rise, and inflation's probably going to subside. I mean, I'm obviously uh, giving a recap of a hundred different things. So this isn't going to be completely accurate. But if you do have a subscription to Bloomberg, do click on that uh, on the show notes and you'll get a whole bunch of information about what everybody's thinking. And and having said that, what time is it? Oh gosh, we got to go pretty soon. Um, having said that, I also will hasten to add that a lot of these guys don't know their butts from a hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if you've heard me say this on this podcast before, but uh, I, I, every year, and Aaron did this. Aaron was my shooter when we were doing TV news. 
And we'd go out and stop people and ask them on the street what they thought the stock market, the housing market, and oil prices were going to do. And then we got the same answers from Wall Street experts. When, and I'm using air quotes when I say experts. Uh, and you know what? Six of one. They, they didn't really do that much better. The people who get paid millions of dollars to make these predictions on CNBC, they're not that much smarter. And you know why they're not? Because we live in a world that's very complicated. And there are lots of variables. Like Omicron, who saw that coming? Or even COVID in general. Who saw that coming? I mean, you know, there's there's just so many things that can happen that nobody really knows. And and yet, generally speaking, you'll note that almost every single time when you see predictions in December or in early January about where the stock market's going to go, all these experts will say 8 or 9% up. They always do. And you know why? Because that's what the stock market averages. And next thing you know, it's down 30% or up 40%. <laughs> I mean, they, they just don't know. So anyway... Now that we've told you all our predictions and we told you that they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get let's, out there and index, my friends. <laughs> yes, get out there and index. So let's see if we can answer a quick question. Do, you, do we yes. have one, Miranda? Yes. So our question is from Sharon. And Sharon says, I retired several years ago. I have approximately $1 million, congratulations, in my 401k, currently untouched. Ooh, those RMDs are going to be nasty. Uh, I want to pass. I want to pass it on sans taxes, so without taxes to my children. How can I convert to a Roth so they may inherit without worry of taxes? This is a very complicated question, and so I'm going to begin it by saying, you're depending on your situation and who you're leaving it to. Now we know who it is in this case, but just for you listeners, uh, there are different rules for leaving money to a spouse than there are to a kid. So this is a very complicated area of the tax law, so be careful and, and consult a tax advisor. Don't go just on what I'm saying because this is specifically Sharon's deal. Okay, so anyway, converting to a Roth can make sense. Obviously, what happens when you convert to a Roth is you've got a regular 401k or IRA, whatever it is. You convert it to a Roth, and that means now uh, you're going to pay taxes. Like In other words, as far as Uncle Sam's concerned, you just took all your money out of your IRA. Therefore, it's all taxable. Okay, so you're going to pay taxes when you roll that into a Roth. After you roll it into a Roth, they will, there will be no taxes to pay because you've already paid them. And so the, the gain in the investments within your 401k will not, will not be taxable. So when your kid inherits them, they will not have to pay taxes on the withdrawals that they make. Now, one of the things that I, that I would suggest is, when, so you've got to have the money to pay. You don't want to use the money from your IRA or your 401k to pay the taxes. So you've got, you should have the money a set aside outside of your retirement plan to pay the taxes on that. You don't have to roll it all at once, though. You know, if, so if you've got $10,000 of income tax to pay and you've got $10,000 in a savings account, great. But if you've only got $10,000 in a savings account, don't give yourself a tax bill for $50,000. So it, do it gradually. Roll it, you know, as you can afford to pay the taxes if that's what you want to do. So now... Uh, you can roll it. Your kids won't have to pay tax. But now there are also new laws. This is why this gets complicated. The SECURE Act in 2019 and the CARES Act in 2020. Um, it goes on. You, there are several options you have. You can roll over. Uh, in other words, when your kids inherit your Roth, they're going to have to start making withdrawals from that. They can do it. They can, do, they can take out a lump sum. They can do it as a life expectancy method. But listen. All distributions must be distributed within 10 years of the original owner's death if it is to a kid, your, your children, okay? If it's to a spouse, there are different rules. 
So, and, and, and now also, if they roll it over as a lump sum, in other words, if they take all the money out as a Roth, they shouldn't have to pay taxes on it, but contributions are tax-free. Obviously, earnings are taxable if the account was less than five years old when the original account owner died. Okay, so that when you roll over to a Roth, stay alive for five years, or your kids would have to pay tax, but only on the uh, investment gains in that account. Is that complicated enough for you? <laughs> Did you have anything to add to that, Miranda? I know you know about this stuff, too. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. You you just need to look at your situation, figure out, you know, how you want to pay your tax bill, how you want to manage that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it might be a good idea. I mean, we have some great resources uh, where you can uh, – we have links to some great resources where you can, like, figure that stuff out and, and kind of get some guidance there. Yeah, and there are calculators, too, that can help you with this. But, you know, it, it sounds – I hate using this stupid excuse to not answer a question by saying, no, oh, speak to your tax advisor. You know I mean? That is, <laughs> that, that's wimpy. But uh, it, this is a situation where you might want to. It's a million dollars. You know I mean? It's, yeah. It's probably worth, you know, paying an accountant couple hundred bucks for some good advice because there are some there are some complications but generally speaking you know it's not that complicated i'm afraid we are out of time guys but we you know we're never out of a topic dig a little deeper find links to lots more info in our show notes and remember if your goal is to make more to spend less to retire rich your online home is moneytalksnews.com and don't forget to check out miranda's online home as well that is miranda marquit m-a-r-q-u-i-t.com if you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, don't just sit there. Tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. It takes you two seconds. really helps us out. So if you like us, show us. And subscribe and tell your friends, too. I'm Stacey Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time. <laughs>